This is Dr. Kathy Williams back with Chapter 2 of Boogers and Poots. If you only read one chapter of this book, this is the one right here. The chapter is titled, The Proving of Humility. In the book of Deuteronomy, Moses is addressing the people in their exodus. He brings a word from the Lord about humility, but it is combined with another concept. God's agenda is not just to humble the people, but to prove the people. The word prove is nakah, which means to test and have an adventure for purposes of assessment. We might say, well, 40 years is a heck of an adventure, Lord. However, many of us were in our 40s range of life before the pieces started coming together. Amen, somebody? God was using humility as a strategic dynamic in the proving process to find out the people's intentions toward him. Were the people following only as an escape plan from Egypt? How many of us can relate to using God as a means of escaping something? Oh, Lord, if you just get me out of fill in the blank, then I will fill in the blank. God understands us enough to allow us to circle around and around in the same wilderness until we are humbled and understanding that it is his way or no way. Until God becomes our only option, we are never truly free. We're just running around loose. The extended value of humility is not just about our relationship and respect of God as God. It is about understanding our own identity. The Israelites had not made their own decisions or been responsible for their own provision in generations. They were slaves, beaten down to a place where there was no value whatsoever attached to their existence. The power of slavery had to be broken so that they would stand up again with the ability to be in charge. The promised land was a real place that would require decision makers and pioneers for conquests. Slavery is a state of existence where every action and idea that you have profits someone else. You are robbed of the means to benefit from your own worth. Oh, it's easy to focus on outward behaviors that enslaves us. Example, addictions. But what about those internal masters that have taken us captive like pride, rejection, abandonment, selfishness, fear, and a long, long list of other negatives? Take a moment and name three areas of slavery that need to be broken in your life. God isn't asking you to do it on your own. The concept of humility that Moses is presenting in Deuteronomy is about partnering with God. Humility recognizes that God is the source of the power that fuels our courage to move forward even in overwhelming circumstances. 
There are scenarios in the scripture where the process of humility seems cruel. Consider Job, who seemed to be a good guy, yet God put him through the ringer. David was called a man after God's own heart, but he did not escape a humbling process that was likened to the old school parenting technique of taking a child to the woodshed. Solomon is considered the wisest man to have lived, but there was no escape humility clause in his agreement with God. In other words, there is no amount of money, power, or position that allows an individual to be exempt from the need for humility. The prophet Isaiah tells us that God is drawn to those who are humble, Isaiah 57 and 15, to the extent that he promises revival to those with a humble heart. Interestingly, the first portion of the message God is delivering through the prophet is about how totally sexually corrupt the nation has become, accompanied with an accusation that because God isn't rowdy with the people, they believe he has no concern about their depraved morality. Whew, doesn't that sound like our contemporary society? The word from God continues by paying attention to those who do not participate in the corruption that surrounds them. He promises special blessings for their commitment to humility. Humility is not about being the low person. It is, in fact, a guarantee of being uplifted. James 4 and 10 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. 1 Peter 5 and 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. Let's go on and include chapter 3 in this reading, in this podcast. Uh, chapter 3 is titled, Joining the Humility Tribe. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's based in Matthew 18 and 4. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Children understand that they need adults. They know they need help with homework. Children are reliant on adults to provide food, clothing, shelter, transportation, as well as the personal needs of being loved, accepted, and appreciated. Lord, let us have the mindset of acceptance that we need you. We are all in a growing process and need God to guide us and show us the way. Lord, we need you for everything in our lives, and we are at peace that you are our Father. No wonder Jesus modeled prayer by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We comfortably and confidently say, My daddy is bigger than everything and he loves me. Take a moment and consider this question. Can you allow yourself to admit areas of your life that you have not yet learned to need God? Follow-up question. Are you willing to take just one of those areas and put a childlike plan in place? Another follow-up question. What is an active step that you can take that will serve as your starting point for change? If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray 
and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Second Chronicles 7, 14. Perhaps one of the most familiar verses containing humility. However, the concept of humble themselves deserves a more detailed inspection. This word came immediately following the temple dedication and is prescriptive for the followers of God to know how to avoid offending God. There is a combination of actions, humble, pray, seek, and turn that collectively ensure a response from God. Lord, help us to offer you the total package of what you ask from us. Help us not to become compromised where we only serve you in part while expecting you to be God in whole. Thank you for giving us a plan to reach you when we get into trouble. We are committed to Kana, which is to subdue ourselves so that you alone are high and lifted up. Of the four steps mentioned in 2 Chronicles 7.14, put them in order of the, what has been most difficult for you. Remember that we have been asked, humble, pray, seek, and turn. What is the most difficult for you? What is an area of your life where you absolutely, truly need to hear from God? Well, let's keep going. Let's add another chapter. The next chapter is titled, A Benefit of Humility. The story of Josiah begins in 2 Chronicles 34. He became king as a boy of only eight years old. His commitment to doing things God's way is breathtaking. The Bible said that he pursued the God of David so that he could understand what we would call the old school ways of serving God. As he grew, his commitment deepened. He not only took extraordinary steps to cleanse Israel of false teaching, but as an authentic leader, he imparted his vision to others. It became a team effort. The primary quality that we see God noting in Josiah is humility. In 2 Chronicles chapter 34, verses 26 through 28, God sends a message to Josiah that because he took the judgment of God seriously and humbled himself, God was in turn taking Josiah seriously. That is a beautiful testimony of the value of humility. If we take God seriously, he takes us seriously. In contemporary organizational strategy, that is called a leadership followership model. Um, aligning this to my boogers and poops analogy, Josiah was willing to admit what was wrong with Israel. He wiped the nose of Israel by purging it of illicit sexual practices, cleansing the temple of double-minded leaders, burning idolatrous images, and literally scrubbing the temple. One of the church mothers told me years, mm, decades ago, sometimes you'd need to just walk through your house and ask God if there is anything in the house that is displeasing to him. Here's a question for you to consider. What three areas of your life need cleansed? Can you list three? 
Josiah could have become popular with the people by allowing the nation to continue the practices that were outside of God's will. He surrendered any ambition of being popular with his preference for being pleasing to God. He cashed in popular to be pleasing. There is tremendous peace of mind that comes with knowing that you are all right with the Lord. Completing the three items we talked about, the three areas that need cleansing, may be harder than natural, but focus on the joy of living in a clean space. Surrendering people, behaviors, and choices that have become part of our lives is never easy. You might need some support in the process. Remember that Josiah found others who were committed to his intentions to cleanse Israel. There is no way he could have completed every task on his own. It's all right to have a team, but be sure that your team is wearing the same jersey as you are. Can we keep going? The next chapter. When down is up and low is high. I served as a chaplain in a men's prison for almost 10 years after serving the same facility as a volunteer chaplain for two years. There is no way to measure the richness that experience added to my life. One of the men who worked for me shared his story of abuse that began in childhood, partnered with his insecurities of being freckled, wearing glasses, and so on. The abuse included verbal, physical, and sexual abuse. It also included something I call shame-based parenting. That takes place when discipline is combined with instilling shame into a child, either demonstrably or verbally. The first time he shared his story, he was literally shaking and looked ready to faint. With voice still shaking, he gave us an ending to his story that nobody saw coming. The young man said, I finally realized that being knocked down meant I had first been standing up. Yes! The whole place exploded in applause as we all realized that being knocked down became a different affirmation to the truth that we had been standing. As Job tried to figure out what happened to him, that his life had become so troubled and low, his friend Eliphaz offered the very insight that reflects what was said in the prison. When they cast you down and you say exaltation will come, then he will save the humble person, Job 22 and 29. There is no doubt that Jesus is the ultimate example of this dynamic. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and become obedient, became, excuse me, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, Philippians 2 and 8. The fruit of his willingness to accept the death as part of his destiny is displayed throughout the scripture, but it can be wrapped up with this ultimate lifting up that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of all things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, Philippians 2.10. The benefit of recognizing we need God Luke 14, 11, for whosoever exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. In that scriptural scenario, Jesus is teaching about a man who was invited to someone's home. He advises that it is best to go in assuming a low position and have the head of the house invite you, 
to a higher place. Going low is the formula for being high. Going down is the route for going high. It doesn't have to make sense in the natural. It makes sense spiritually, which then translates to your natural life. Once again, pause. Here's a thought for you. Name three struggles in your life where you felt knocked down that you can now see are statements that you were first standing. I can share with you that one of my three lines would be domestic violence. A man battering a woman is a man who is knocking her down from a place of standing up. It is a person who feels threatened by the other person and thinks they can beat them down in order to destroy their ability to stand up. Domestic violence is not exclusively male to female, so if that is your struggle, adjust the wording. At its worst, I was a victim who did not laugh without permission. Laughter would bring, who told you that was funny, B, along with a fist. Uh, maybe that's one reason I love my sense of humor and willingness to laugh now. I'm standing up and determined to never be knocked down again. God rescues those who understand that he is the ultimate lifeguard in the pool of life. Hey, let's go on and do the last chapter. Let's finish this book. The final chapter is called Never Ending Story. I invite you to pull up a chair as if you were visiting with me in my home. Let's take time to look one another in the eye so I can answer an obvious question. Why am I writing this book? Nobody, say that again, nobody in ministry gets to minister something they haven't lived. It's a package deal. God did not call intellectuals to spew knowledge. He called servants who are committed to his agenda. As an adolescent, I was the poster child for rebellious behavior. It's no surprise that God has worked humility into me like kneading bread dough. He pushed, pulled, twisted, held me in the air, dropped me back down on the board and pushed all over again. And believe me, I deserved it. Kneading is a necessary process to making good bread as it works the yeast throughout the dough so that it can raise properly. God needs to prod us until we raise properly. No, 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 wait, wait, wait. Let me rephrase that. He needed to prod me so that Kathy would raise up properly. Humility is not a point of achievement. It is a lifestyle. Right now, as I am finishing this book, I am also entering a new chapter of humility. Due to some health issues, I resigned my role as a prison chaplain to an unknown future. There are pieces of what is ahead that I know, such as implementing re-entry efforts for those who are leaving prison or jail. There is curriculum to write and projects for children who have an incarcerated parent. There are a few major gaps in what I think I know, starting with my financial well-being. Paying my bills is going to be a I trust you, Lord, journey. Wading my way through insurance issues and understanding Medicare and taking care of medical concerns is all part of that new trust journey. Every specific point of needing to walk by trust results in the same word, humility. I'm humbling myself to daily confess, Lord, you are in charge. 
Humility says, I don't get to do it my way. I don't get to have my terms and conditions. Humility says, I'm not the one with the plan. Perhaps humility is, in this season, also reverting back to my original example from Exodus, where God was not only humbling the people, but proving the people. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe a Boogers and Poots version 2 will be coming soon so that I can share what God was proving in me, what God is proving in me for the next leg of this never-ending story. Boogers and Poots and other lessons in humility. This is Dr. Kathy Williams, and I look forward uh, to hearing your uh, responses to what you think about the reading of this book and others that will come. Blessings to each one.